Captain. We've got a new bearing. Uh, Periscope. Vacationers earning three times the points on a tour package with the PenFed Pathfinder Rewards credit card. Impossible, sir. They're civilians. Whether you're in uniform or not, PenFed's Pathfinder Rewards card gives you three times the points for all travel, not just flights. One and a half points for everything else. That'll be great for my next vacation. As soon as we're back from deployment. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash Pathfinder. Cash advances, credit card checks, and balance transfers are excluded from earning rewards. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCOA. And this is a, a special moment here. This is almost history in the making. This is the when people look back on the era of double toasted and they ask the trivia question when people in a bar, you know, doing trivia night and they say, what was the first movie review that they did on the Daily Double Talk? And what date was it? It'll be this movie and it'll be today. What's the day? Today's the 23rd? 23rd. Nailed it. Right, is the day the 23rd? Yeah, today's the 23rd. Yeah. I don't know why I don't trust you. I mean, I don't trust myself. We're all living in a fucking hellscape where time doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. You know? Uh, look, either either it'll be like a trivia question or it'll be like the, the cold opening of a Ken Burns documentary about how <laughs> everything went wrong. And it was like they reviewed the witches and <clears throat> hell broke loose, you know? You know what? Okay, you're right. It's the 23rd. All, All right. right. Thank, thanks for fact checking me. All right, you're right this time. Yeah, I just don't. I don't know why I don't trust you, man. I like appreciate you it. I need to be, you know, checked upon. Left to my own devices, there's no telling what I'm going to do. There's no telling, man. I mean, you're cool and everything, and I love you, man. But I don't trust you at all. <laughs> I play the tuba. All right, I can't be trusted. No, not at, no. That's right, man. You play a tuba with strings. No one is meant to be trusted who do, who does that. All right. Well, folks, let me move this man over. I'll put you over here. Yes, people, this is history in the making right here, folks. Talk about another movie that made history. Uh, so there's a movie that scared the complete shit out of a generation of 90s kids. You're a 90s kid, right? Yep, 1990, right on the cusp. Yeah, I think you dodged this scary-ass bullet right here, but a lot of other kids did not. They said, man, I would have, today, I would have I would have had a job, I would have had a family, I would have been somebody if it weren't for that fucking movie that scarred me for life back in 1990, The Witches. For when a little boy accidentally stumbles into their secret world, he finds they've got a lot more power to me. than he ever imagined. Grandma, it's me, Luke. Oh, my God. Ball-headed hoes. Mice talking like kids. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yes. And the witches that are there, which were these completely scary creatures, man. But they say today... You know, during this day and age, we can make those witches a lot more scary with the technology that we have. I don't know if that's truly the case. And here's the thing uh, with this movie right here. Uh, it was a good thing. I was a grown man at that time. I was 18, actually. So I, I barely missed the terror of that movie right there. But Christian, you saw what today? Yeah, well, I mean, when you when you called me up to do the review, I, I felt remiss in my duties if I didn't go back because this is sadly a blind spot in my Jim Henson kind of, uh, you know, uh, love for that yeah. dude's work. So I, uh, after I watched the new one yesterday, woke up really early this morning, watched the 1990 version just to compare and contrast for you guys. Yeah, you know, uh, and so I did not see it at the time, uh, but 
No one ever escapes any kind of movie today because eventually, somewhere, someday, somehow, someone is going to make a remake. So if you didn't see it the first time, you're going to catch it again, maybe in a different form. And that works out. That works out very well for this review because today, 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 this is going to be a real partnership here. This is going to be some real teamwork. Um, you know, uh, I'm the newbie that has not seen The Witches before. I've only seen this new one that's come out. This man has seen both of them. So you're going to have somebody like me who is uh, not going to be influenced by any kind of nostalgia or anything that I've seen before. And then you're going to have this man over here is going to just sit there and complain about how it's not like the original. You know, he's going to be that hipster right there. So this will be well balanced out, I think, man. It's going to be 50-50 for sure. I got, I got a lot of thoughts on it, but uh, I'm excited, man. Yeah. Honestly, I think this this is uh, – I'm really grateful that the new one came out, the 2020 version, because like you just said, it's like a lot of people may have missed it. Yeah. Um, so you know when you well when you think Jim Henson you think like Labyrinth and Dark Crystal and shit this one flies really low under the radar so I just relish the opportunity to even kind of get my hands dirty with the uh, the old witches yeah man. a lot of people forget that the Jim Henson Studios was majorly involved with this even though this was a Warner Brothers uh, Warner Brothers film Warner Brothers release film but you know a lot of puppetry going on right there oh and there it is ah look at that oh my God why y'all want to do these kids like this again. You took that horrible image right there that scared the fuck out these kids, and now you want to make it scarier? Oh my! And you want to bring in, you want to bring in a director who already scared the shit out of kids with the Polar Express, <laughs> Robert Zemeckis. You want to? Oh my God! This is going to be horrifying. This is going to be terrifying out there. I don't know. We should do this review right here. We might kill some of these kids. All right, folks. We're going to go ahead and watch the trailer for the 2020 remake of. The Witches, and we'll be back with our review. My story begins when I was a young boy. You'll be comfy here in your mama's old room. I'd do anything for her to be here right now. Grandma was a tough lady with a big heart. And little by little, she brought me out of my sadness. Okay, I, one of the things I have to say here is a narration. Like, if you... If you didn't know any better, like if you just cut the TV on and this was on already, you you think you'd be watching an episode of Everybody Hates Chris. That day I learned the most important lesson in life. Be yourself or get a pump in your ass. Mommy's going to get you some ice chips, okay? Better get a shoe on too. <laughs> and mama was the main witch. You know, that, that, I, I was uh, looking at that and I was thinking, man, that is that narration throws me off completely. But we'll get into more of that as we get into our review a little, in, a, in a little while. Now if you feel that you can't go on, darling, I didn't know it. But there was a dark shadow looming nearby. Witches. They're real. And they hate children. Good Lord! Welcome. What would you do if there were mice learning all around this hotel? I would call the exterminator. You see, girls? He would exterminate those brats. Uh, rats. We would exterminate the rats. I fear this was happening. Here, that means a test is coming. Ladies, I have a plan. Andro, 
to transform a child into a mouse. Never let you get away with your filthy evil plot. Who's gonna stop me? Doesn't matter who you are or what you look like, so long as somebody loves you. You wouldn't happen to be carrying around a mouse on your person, now would you? A mouse? Mm -hmm. Why on earth would I be carrying around a mouse? Also doesn't help that this is uh, written by originally Roald Dahl, who is constantly scaring the shit out of kids. Doesn't give a fuck about their feelings. He also he's also responsible for uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and James and the Giant Peach. So he scarred many a memory of children out there. Now movie down right here, Christian, and I'm just scarring kids for five decades consecutively. It's kind of an impressive feat. <clears throat> it's a good record, man. Good run. Uh, okay, so as I said, man, first of all, it I, you know Chris Rock's narration in this when it opens up, uh, I say you know I, I don't want to start out negative or anything, and it's not that much through the whole movie, but I will say that it's 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 a little it's a little distracting. It's loud, almost leaning on slavish in a way. You know, they witches and they hates children. And I'm like, man, you know, it's if, if if I tell you what, if somehow some way Disney does make or does a remake of uh, Song of the South, Chris Rock would make a great Br'er Rabbit, man. <laughs> you know, he, he would actually be the voices there if they could ever if they ever try to do this again. Uh, but as far as doing a movie like this with at the beginning that's supposed to 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 lure you you in lull you in to what is essentially a fable and a fairy tale it's it just it's distracting you know between the tone between knowing who it is the you know the celebrity voice behind it which you just keep being brought back to that uh it's hard man it's you know, like i said it's supposed this is a storybook you know, it's something like you'd read to kids to scare the hell out of them so they won't sleep at night. And you sure as hell won't get no sleep if Chris Rock is reading the story because it is it's it's not I'm not going to say I hate it, but it definitely is very loud and just, just kicks you out of the mood that they're trying to pull you in. I don't know if that's something that you saw. Yeah, well, I actually like turned to my wife two minutes in. I'm like it like and maybe maybe it's on me because, as you know, we're watching Fargo season four right now. We're getting yeah. such an understated kind of Chris Rock performance. But I was just like, he's really hamming this up to the point of distraction, isn't he? Like that's that's kind of how I felt going into it, yeah. um, which is not to say that it, it, it you're right. It doesn't ruin the overall experience or anything. But considering that's your first introduction to the world, I was like, oh, man. Like that left a really bad taste in my mouth to the point where it, it, I couldn't tell. And I think you said a really interesting word. You said tone. I'm going to repeat that a lot. But from the beginning, it really muddled what kind of tone the film was going to be, at least in my opinion. Yeah. You know, and it's in, like I said, it's not that long, but you really do want to grab somebody when you when you are telling, you know, a, a storybook type of tale or are you telling a fairy tale you know you de you definitely want to pull people in and that's not the way to, this is not the way to do it right here but i will say this uh when you have when you have octavia spencer enter uh that's when it becomes a lot of fun man uh she's the emotional anchor 
of this story. The story is, is that he doesn't have a name. He's just boy, a, a grandbaby, a grandchild, the, uh, the Chris Rock character when he was a kid. Uh, I forgot the actor's name for this, for who, who, the little boy who plays him. But his at the beginning of the movie, they talk about how in a car crash, his parents died. And his grandmother has to come in and be his guardian. And she's the one that really got me in here because uh, they just have some real sweet moments together. You know, it's a, it's a great combination, too. You know, you know they're making a big deal about you know uh, this being uh, retold with uh, a black lead here, and a little bit from a black perspective. So anybody who's been in a household, you know, ain't no melodrama up in there, man. You know, uh, she's a she's a combination of loving and just taking no nonsense. Uh, Chris Rock in his narration, one of the good parts is that he put it best. He said, "You know what? She will she'll give you a hug when you needed it." She'll also beat your ass when you need it. And, uh, you know, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but I thought, wow, you know what? That is like a lot of grandmothers of color and, uh, you know, mothers of color that I've seen. You know, it's sweet the way she tries to get her grandson to cheer up. But there's a point where she tells him she's like, all right, I'm getting tired of this sad shit. Cheer up. I'm going to whoop your ass. And I thought, all right, you know what? That is great. Because that means that they're not going way too into being emotionally manipulative and they're not trying to make this too sad. And Octavia Spencer with with uh, this child actor here, once they start kind of growing together it's and, and they, they start to bond, there's some real nice tender moments in there that make you think, all right, you know, if they continue along this line, this is going to be a really great character-driven kid story. Put, oh, yeah, you for Christian. me, I mean, the first act is like the first 25 minutes is easily the best part of the film for me. And yeah, largely for the reasons that you're saying Octavia Spencer is the gravity that holds this whole story together. She's the thing that constantly hints that there is a better, deeper story floating around here somewhere. Yeah. Um, the four tops musical scene that that's in the trailer, but also the Otis Redding scene where she's playing sitting on the dock of the bay. All of that stuff really it really hit home in a very interesting way. The original film, we'll talk about this a little bit. Um was set in Norway, where mm-hmm. this one uh, well, it was set in Norway initially. I think they end up going to England, but in any case, they transplant the setting to um, what is it, Alabama, right? Yeah, yeah, it's Alabama, man. Nineteen sixty-eight, so Alabama. So, so immediately transporting that story, which I thought was really interesting, and the first twenty-five minutes just plays as a family drama about learning to to live again after a tragedy. And I, I, yeah. I honestly, if the whole movie would have stuck to that, I would have been like, "Holy shit, this is going to be a surprisingly great movie." Yeah, there was a moment I forgot that there were witches in this shit. You know, I was like, "This is just," <laughs> I was like, this, "This is just a sweet story about a grandmother." You know, growing. It's like, look, it's 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 TV level schmaltzy kind of uh, uh, storytelling there, but it works, man. It worked very well with some very good actors man uh and it's playing well with that period as we were saying this is 1968 alabama here and you know this is there's just a lot of the nice touches there man uh nice cultural family touches uh again you know every black kid has had a, a, a grandmother that fed them a big old fucking slice of cornbread that's bigger than their head you know this i love this the the, the southern setting right here i love the the music, that moment said dance. You heard the four tops right there. 
uh, they're playing the Isley Brothers, you know, and, and they're just playing a lot of stuff that's uh, really putting you in the mood of this period. Uh, I really like the colors that they use right here, man. I, uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of bright colors that, even though they're telling this story about grief, uh, there's a lot of bright colors that just are great for like a storybook type tale. Uh, you know, it captures that feeling very well. And then the witches enter, and things take a turn for the better and for the worse. Uh, and I will tell you this uh, again, for the better or for worse, when the witches do come in, they are, they're horrifying, man. But we'll get into that in a little bit, you know, because uh, I don't know if you have any more that you want to say about, you know, the story with Octavia Spencer, some of the stuff I was talking about, the cultural things, you know, the Southern setting, any of those things at all. Yeah, no, I mean, I think I said most of what I wanted to say. I think I think the truth of it is that they did a really effective job of transporting that, not just transporting it. I think when people miss the point of like when they, you know, when they uh, swap races for some of these stories, it's not that you just literally transplant and then and that makes the difference. Like you have to do the legwork culturally. Uh, and I think they did a really wonderful job with that. Um, I think the problem, and you kind of nailed it, is that as soon as the titular witch, it's not a good thing that the movie's called <laughs> The Witches, and yet as soon as the witches show up, you're like, fuck, you yeah. missed the movie. Movie that it was before <laughs> that was kind of my beef with it yeah and who the hell said that they don't like cornbread uh a turncoat get the Man. fuck out of this country i'm not one of those people but if you don't like cornbread what are you doing if you don't like corn boy you a straight up yankee ass person man like cornbread man that's the one time that you could actually have cake for dinner corn somebody got it right sweet sweet cornbread with a big old stick of butter on top whoever said that i need to you know when covid is over i'm grabbing your ass i'm bra- i'm bringing you to the south and gonna give you cornbread every day if you don't know the magic of cornbread then you need to shut your ass up until you actually try well, it i probably can- had like store-bought cornbread or some shit which is not the same thing you know um God, what was I going to just say? I had this whole thing about, well, yeah, I was mad at that kid throughout the whole first act because his Octavia Spencer just kept making fucking delicious looking food and he kept raising his nose at it. Like yeah. when, she, when she put those chicken wings down, I was like, holy shit, those are homemade chicken wings. This kid is a fucking like, I, I hate this kid for not being more excited about it. And I really love that. That's the point kind of to, to put a little cherry on top of the whole segment was that Octavia Spencer plays that nurturing role to perfection. But then when she needs to flip that switch and she's like, no, I don't feel sorry for you. I feel bad for you. Those are two different things things you know what i'm saying like i thought that that was just like man i'm as with, pitch perfect as yeah. you can get for a first act of, of a kid's movie about witches i'm with you on that too man there's so much just disgustingly good food like when i say disgusting like it's terrible for you this is why people in the south you know die from diabetes half the time right because right. you yeah. I, I got like a higher cholesterol and, and fucking pre-diabetes by looking at the food in this goddamn movie oh my like, god it's so all over the place i don't mean to stop the show right now but people don't like cornbread and then you mean to tell me that the swedish girl okay i'll Excuse you because you're Swedish, but you never heard of cornbread? Oh, Jesus, man. You know what? Send me your address when this is done. <laughs> I'm making some cornbread and I'm sending it to you. I'm, I'm merely nobody, no one, no one. And to that person that said cornbread is bad, I'm sending you good cornbread because apparently you had shitty cornbread. If you had good cornbread, there is no such thing as a person who doesn't like cornbread if they make it right. I'm taking addresses, I'm taking names. All you motherfuckers getting cornbread today. <laughs> I'm, I'm, thinking, I'm getting everybody Oprah gives there. away cars but Corey Coleman gives away fucking cornbread y'all no look, I don't give a fuck if you sat on it look under your chair look on your chair you got some cornbread you got some cornbread 
Yo ass, your big ass got some cornbread. <laughs> yes. Everybody getting cornbread up in this bitch, man. Come here. You made me stop this goddamn review talking about I don't like cornbread. Don't ever say that shit around me, man. That's ignorant. Don't ever say that. You ain't had it. You ain't had it good. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm sorry. That makes me mad. <laughs> you don't tell nobody that from the South. All right. <laughs> Where that's, were that's we? righteous anger, baby. You keep at it. <laughs> yeah, man. I was born here in the South, raised in the South. Don't tell me that bullshit. Uh, you know, here's the thing, man. Uh, when the witches enter the picture here, and we're talking about how things take a turn. Uh, well, let me just say, you know, it's not, I don't mean that to, to say that is completely bad. Because uh, I'm going to tell you, man, before before they even go full witch, which is like their full horrifying transformation into what they are because you know most of the time you look at and they kind of look like average women or good looking women but they got that joker cut in their mouth and they and when they're first introduced like they you could tell that there's something wrong with their face the, the expression is weird and they have this weird way of talking that I found scary before they even like went to their full transformation there's one witch that corners the, the grandson in the store and she's like where are you going boy and, but she looks fine as hell you know and it's like man that just that weirded me out they I will say this they do some really good creepy things with the witches in here uh and their backstory is kind of scary too, uh, because simply put, they just hate kids, man. That's all it is. And the way they even describe it, why do they hate kids? Because kids, and they say this, they say because they because <laughs> they smell like dog shit <laughs> to witches. So that's a good enough penalty for death. And they spend a lot of times just turning kids into random animals. And those transform those transformations, man. Those transformations are some really horrifying uh, uh, body horror stuff for a kid's movie. Uh, when they do things to certain kids and turn them into certain animals, I'm not going to spoil everything for you, but skin starts sagging in weird ways. Their bodies go through some real weird contortions. Um, before they go full whatever creature that they're being turned into, they uh, they have like tumors on their bodies. You know, it's it's... It's something that they, you know, that they're definitely not worried about how much they're going to frighten these kids. It's almost like that's the point. You know, we, it, it, I like that they're not afraid to like go in there and not worry about children's comfort zones because kids are just like, they're just like us, man. And they're just like adults. They love being scared too. Uh, but it's those mouths, man. When they do go full witch, those mouths, and I'm saying this as an adult, I don't know what this is going to do to kids, but as an adult, this freaked me the fuck out. Uh, because their mouths, if you can see right here, they're, like they're, they're, those lines that you saw, those lines, pretty much their cheeks rip open and they have fangs and they, they look like a cross between Venom and the Jack Nicholson Joker, man, which is not a good thing. It is truly, truly a a, 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 a a terrifying design that they did. I'm glad that they pushed it that far. Uh, what did you think about the designs, man? 
it was it was something that made me question who this movie was for because at different times it's a different it's aimed at different age group that's what it felt like to me um i i do think that like i'm not a huge fan of the cgi i think that's my biggest point of contention especially when you compare it to a lot of the practical stuff of the original one but i do think that like yeah they didn't they didn't not go for it it was definitely way scarier than i thought it was going to be it was uh, most of this movie up until that point doesn't really play as a film that you know uh, that 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 kids need to be worried about anything to be scared of. Even when they do the initial uh, witch in the candy store hardware store thing, right with the snake, like that's more about menace than any kind of grotesque thing that they're going to show you. Uh, so I really like that they pushed the envelope there. This is a little unrelated, but it but it is about the uh, the mouse transformation thing. When I saw that, did you think of like the Tuskegee Airmen thing for a second? <laughs> I, I I did not. <laughs> oh God, that's all I saw, and I was like, "Fuck, this is this is awful. This is like a terrible thing to evoke." But maybe that's just me. Yeah, man. I I I don't know, man. I I did not think of that, but and maybe I didn't because I'm gonna tell you, man. Uh, look, because I'm gonna get into some things that bother me, and I'll tell you probably why I didn't think along those lines because I think they missed some things here. But before I even do that. Let me just give some uh, credit where credit is due before I really start going in negative on this. Uh, as far as uh, uh, the witches go, a lot of them, and I didn't see the original, so I don't know how much of them are just generic background, but Anne Hathaway, Anne Hathaway embraced that mouth. She embraced that role, man. Um, you know, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking like, wow, you know, she really put herself into this. And and it's funny, too, because she did such a good job with this that even when they, even when she went full witch, there was something still attractive about her. Just seeing her have fun, like because all these witches have fingers missing. They have toes missing. They got boils in their and in, in sores and on, on their scalps. Sometimes they got a worm in it and she'll pull it out and eat it. And she just seemed to like be, be under all that makeup. And just completely let herself go, man. Which is good. Now I'm gonna tell you that accent that she has in the movie, it that shit is all over Europe. It's in Eastern Europe. It went over to Spain for a little bit. I think even spent about a weekend in Mexico, man. It's that so the accent. I don't know what to tell you about it. I just it didn't really bother me that much because I was just like, well, maybe she's just doing some crazy witch talk too. You know, maybe it's a witch accent, so I can let it go. But as far as her performance, though, man, and as far as the way that she just came in and and just kind of just embraced the campiness of this character, I'm like, you know, good for you, man. You. Uh, if nothing else stands out too much in this movie, she certainly does. She's the one that's having a real good time with this. I don't know how you yeah, felt almost, about it. I almost texted you yesterday to be like, uh, everything that's wrong with this movie is has nothing to do with the actors. I thought Octavia was great. I thought mm-hmm. she really, um, Anne Hathaway, like went for it, super committed. I thought Stanley Tucci was really great, you know, in yeah. a limited role. His, his his job is to kind of walk this line between straight man and like absurdist. Um, yeah. Everything about that like really works. That's the weird thing about it is to think that Academy Award winner Octavia Spencer, Academy Award winner Anne Hathaway, nominee Stanley Tucci, Academy Award winner Robert Zemeckis and this was still <laughs> kind of the best that we can get out of it um, but yeah on a performance level I have no complaints that's not where the movie really fails to me and, I, and I'm like you I don't want to be overly overly negative about it so I just do want to say that I thought all the acting was really really great I want to also give credit to the transplanting of the setting I yeah. thought that was like a, a nice 
it was a smart idea. Whether they did enough with it, I don't know. Um, and the last thing I want to say is the faithfulness to the movie or to the source material. We'll get into that a little bit later when we compare and contrast. But those things are – there are things to like about this film, certainly. But the things that I like did not add up to the fucking plethora of things that I disliked about the movie. Well, okay. So here's, here's, uh, here's what really bothered me about the movie, man. What bothered me – the most about this film is that they completely missed some storytelling opportunities. I mean, they blew a chance to go in and do some foreshadowing that could have added some mystery at the beginning of the movie. Uh, and sadly, they missed the the, uh, the opportunity to take advantage of some social issues, man. Uh, they had the opportunity to tell the ultimate Karen story. This is an entitled, rude, rich white woman who hates black people, poor people, and kids just because she feels inconvenienced by them. And throughout the movie, always calling the manager. Always calling the manager, Stanley Tucci, man. They had... They had the... Uh, and I'm not making a joke. They had an opportunity to do this, and I'm not... In, in the, and so what you're going to think is... You're going to think... Uh, uh, all right, I'm, I'm reading into this because I always want to bring a race issue into something. I'm not the one that did that shit. They're the ones that decide to, like, pull in a, 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 a kid, a black kid, in 1968, Alabama, during the Civil Rights Movement, during the time of MLK. You know, why, why change this to a black kid in 1968 if you're not going to do anything with that. Furthermore, why not just make it a black kid and make it today? Why not make it in modern times? And, not, and you can avoid the whole thing of having to really talk about any kind of race issues if you want. Why not just make it any kid in modern well, times? Especially because they go to painstaking lengths to let you know what the setting is, right? Like, And it, and it seems like a real missed opportunity. I completely agree with you that it's like in the year that, that the crossing of the bridge in Selma happened, there is like they, they go to extreme lengths to not acknowledge any kind of strife in the world at all. Yeah. I thought they were going to do something with the friend, uh, with the uh, the Bruno, the, the, the English friend who ends up getting turned as well. Oh, yeah. I thought his parents were going to meet uh, the little kid. And I thought there was going to be some some social commentary there. They run the opposite direction from it at every turn, which felt like such an odd choice, considering they spent so much time trying to build the setting. Yeah. And I know that the I know that this movie was made before the term Karen was invented. I know this is uh, I know that, you know, this was made before we had the protests and the riots. But that that doesn't matter because one, as I said, this is in 1968 when you had all of this racism going on. You had the Civil Rights March going on and everything. And you're in Alabama in the South and you have a black kid. Like I said, why why'd you even bother to make it a black kid if you're going to run from the social issues of the time? You know, they go to a hotel where they kind of they kind of hint at slightly uh, that they're aware of, uh, you know, the racial hierarchy in the South, but they don't go and they don't touch it. And, you know, and like I said, I'm not it's not like I'm bringing this up out of out of nowhere. The movie actually brought it up. Uh, there's a point in the movie where Octavia Spencer is talking about not only what she knows about the witches, where she says, I know what their motives are. They like to go in and they like to hurt children that no one is going to care about. And, and, and they and actually go into a backstory about about a time when uh, uh, those two actually uh, had some uh, 
had some interaction. You know, uh, uh, Anne Hathaway's witch, the head witch of the council, she talks about how she went to some little ragged ass town, you know, over there and how, you know, she looked and it's, it's, it's hinted that she looks down on those people that lived in that little dirty shithole town. So they already kind of hinted at, all right, you know, the reason why she picks some uh, poor children and black children most of the time is because no one's going to actually miss them. It's easy. So they brought, they kind of bring this up and, uh, and I, I can tell you the reason why the element was brought in there because you had uh, uh, Kenya Barris who helped write the script. I'm just puzzled, like why you know why bring him in? Why introduce those elements there? Why have the setting here if we're not going to do anything with it? If you want to do anything with it, then don't put it in this in, in this environment. Don't put it in this in this context. It's just it, it, to me, if you do that, if you actually skirt around the issue. Then you know this is uh, is it's kind of it's, it's in a way it's kind of whitewashing that history itself. In a way, it's kind of taking the easy way out. If you're gonna, you know, it's funny. You want to scare children with these fucking with these with these images right here, these horrifying witches, but you shy away from the you know some of the more horrifying real life stuff at the time, which they could have had a point of 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 doing that. They could have said, you know, these witches are here, but baby, doing you know. There are things out there that are just as bad as these witches, and we have to deal with that every day. And they fucking blew it, man. They did not. They, they didn't do it at all. And, and it's not just a race thing either. I'm gonna give it back to Christian right here, but they had some other storytelling opportunities to make. And yeah, you know, they, and they blew that too. And I'll tell you why in a little while. Christian, go ahead, man. Yeah, uh, I think the most that they ever really straight up get into it is when Octavia Spencer first arrives. There, there's like a black uh, bellboy or whatever they're called. The people yeah. who grab the luggage and stuff like that. And he's looking at her in awe. Like he's never, ever seen a black woman come before. Yeah. That's as much as they get into the kind of social commentary of it all. Um, unlike you, when I actually looked at the thing, I, when I was rattling off Oscar winners earlier, I forgot fucking Guillermo del Toro, who was a co-writer with Kenya Barris. Yeah. And I couldn't believe that there was, again, this much talent that – it seemed like they were trying to set things up in the first act only for those things to fall by the wayside, whether it's the racial component or, uh, by the way, and I don't mean – I'm sorry if this is not too spoilery or whatever, but the idea that they keep planting this seed in the first act about Octavia Spencer being sick, like that's the sole source of dramatic conflict when it comes to the character. And then yeah. that just kind of like disappears by the end of the movie. And you're right, man. I forgot about that because they didn't do anything with it. Yeah, that's true, man. Yeah, she keeps and she even looks at a at a, at a handkerchief like she coughed up blood. And I'll show you the blood, but something's wrong. Well, it must not have been that fucking wrong because they just all of a sudden she's cured. You know, it's something about the presence, and that's what I'm saying. Like they missed these opportunities to set up this mysterious foreshadowing. Um, you know, her her cough could have been something linked to like, oh my, this past that I have with this witch, oh this darkness is coming again. That could have been some Stephen King type type storytelling. They also have a situation in here where uh, I don't want to again, I don't want to spoil anything, but they have a third mouse here, and that third mouse, they could have set up something with her in the beginning to do some foreshadowing too, and they totally blow that man. That mouse, out of nowhere, that mouse just starts talking, you know, is it, and uh, starts trying to have some kind of personality, even though the character was never developed, uh, where one time it was just a mouse. And it's like, wow, you know, we could have set up something where it's like, wow, that mouse is not like any kind of mouse we've seen before. Why is it acting like that? And then we learned the big secret about it later. But they, they don't, you know, they're not doing any of this. It's very, it's, it's clunky and wasted storytelling opportunities. And I hate that sometimes more than just, like, if you want to go in fast and furious and trying to give you no great 
character development storytelling. They just want to fucking race cars and go to space at some point and hopefully fight dinosaurs. But this right here, you know, I'd rather I'd rather deal with storytelling like that, where it's like we know who we are and we're just giving people what they want. Where something like this, where it's like, man, we we have so many so much potential here, and we're and we're missing it. You know, we're missing it because we're not we're we're too distracted with something else to actually pay attention to the richness that we have here. And the reason why they miss it, and this is this is something I think, is because of Robert Zemeckis, man. Robert Zemeckis is a, you put some, thing, you, you put special effects in front of that motherfucker and he's, and he's just hypnotized. That's why recently he had a movie, um, Welcome to, to, to Marwin. And the biggest problem with that movie was it was based on a documentary which, which told a much better story because we were centered on the character. He made a remake of it and was so centered on bringing these CG dolls to life that he totally missed the point. The women of Marwin protect me. You are safe. But toast, just for you. You know, people were talking about why would you even make this if all you're gonna do is just showcase special effects uh, and you're gonna ignore the, the 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 this very much character driven story tr- based on a true story, especially when the documentary was so was so well done. It's almost like an insult. It's like, all right, you know, fuck that dude's story. People want to see special effects. That's what was wrong with that. Robert Zemeckis is always more and more and more. He's being he's being distracted by what can I do with this technology over what what kind of story can I tell with this technology? And it, st- it kind of started. I mean, it started a while back, but you can see a lot of a lot of that when he was. Uh, when he was getting into things like the the Polar Express, you know, how, how, how hey, can I tell a story with a completely CG human and have people forget about it? No, you can't because they look like fucking zombies. So anyway, you get what I'm saying, man. Yeah, no, actually, and look, I'm, thank you so much for bringing up Zemeckis because I know you said no rants and I'm going to make this as small as I possibly can, okay? But the two biggest problems in this film, and yeah, some of it's on a writing level, but Zemeckis should have figured this out, right? Which is uh, characters and tone. Other than yeah. like the main people, like all the witches, I don't know who any of those witches are. No, they might as well just be <laughs> numbered numerically, witch 16 or some shit. Same thing with like the the mice for the most part. I mean, the, the little friend English kid gets a little bit more uh, motivation, but like Daisy, the other mice does not. No one in the hotel, like the characters barely exist outside of the three that they want you to notice. The other thing is tonally. Okay, like Anne Hathaway is so successful in this, I think, because she is walking that fine line between Mm -hmm. trying to be scary and also trying to be campy. Right. There's something very endearing about that. Whereas, like, I feel like Zemeckis lost all ability to walk that fine line. Instead, he just fucking swerves this way and that way between tones. And don't tell me he can't do it because he made Back to the Future and Who Framed Roger Rabbit before he was 35 years old. You know what I'm saying? He knows how to do that. And both of those films are movies that absolutely careen between different uh, types of thing. I mean, Who Framed Roger Rabbit as a kid, a little confession, as a kid, the scene where uh, Judge Doom blows himself back up and you find out that he's a toon, spoiler alert for that movie, uh, is like fucking horrified me, man. It was one of the scariest <laughs> things I've ever seen. And, and, and the point is that he was always able to make it work. Like it was a crazy mix of alchemy. He was a mad genius. But those same traits that made him like so endearing in the 80s, completely absent of this film. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, seriously, man, that, you know, the, you look at the movies that uh, he's done where they've kind of pulled back on the special effects sometimes and tried to tell more storytelling. I mean, Back to the Future is one of them. It wasn't that thing wasn't full of special effects the whole movie. Um, was it Flight with Denzel Washington? 
Right. Yeah. Flight with Dunes, you know, he he turned the plane upside down and that was it. And it was more of a story based uh, uh, film. And, you know, he did excellent with that. And there was a time when he had that balance, man. I mean, he was always trying new things. Who Framed Roger Rabbit is one of my favorite movies. It's uh, and I think it's incredible. But I think today he's he's been like, all right, I'm the guy that kind of pioneers technology. I, I embrace a new technology. And I think he's 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 almost like a. He's almost like a, a form. He's got a. He's got a. He's got a form of Lukeism, George Lukeism. You know, where it's like I, I love tinkering now more than I love telling like a, a, a straightforward story, which is too bad because that could have been. He could have had something really special here, man. Especially with trying to put it in 1968. Imagine if they had done this and they did touch touch on social issues, and then think about how timely they would have been when they came out, and they would have been like, yeah, we didn't. We didn't even know that things are going to blow up like this when we did it. But, hey, you know, it also shows, that you know, same shit happens all the time. They could have been very relevant right now. But all what you have right now is you just have a movie where uh, you have uh, uh, characters who they, they it, it's it's a pattern is our it's, it's a repeat. Uh, it, we got to grab something from the witches and we got to run before they get us. We got to grab this other thing. We got to run before they get us. It's a very straightforward way of, of telling a story that it's not. I'm gonna say it's not a. It's it it. It's not without its fun parts. It's definitely not without its scary parts. There's some effective stuff in there, but uh, definitely, definitely not uh, the good movie that is that 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 is under there with a with a proper rewrite. And, and but the right that's the point of it. It's like the rewriting of it. I don't understand what went wrong. Because I was thinking about it. I made this joke with my wife yesterday. It's like, maybe Guillermo can only do things that are hard. He's like, fucking witch movie. That's easy. Of course I can do that. And then he fails at it miserably. Meanwhile, if you want to make a movie about a woman fucking a fish man, like, I can get Oscars off of that. I'm Guillermo del Toro. I'm yeah. a fucking miracle worker. Like, that's, I just couldn't believe that the writing failed on so many levels considering the amount of talent on the writing staff, let alone the talent. Like Zemeckis wrote Back to the Future. It's not like he's just a director. He understands characters and he understands how to make a story resonant. But uh, again, it just it almost feels like Act Two and Three are of a completely different film. One yeah. that was not set up by what they did in Act One. I think that's what kind of annoyed me the most about it. Yeah, you know, you had you're right. You know, before I leave, I'm just gonna say, man, before I close this, you had a you had this dream team of writers here. You had uh, Kenya Barris, who could have brought in with this setting. He could have brought in the social issues. Uh, he's done that with his show Blackish. Uh, and then you have Guillermo del Toro, who, you know, that guy brings heart to, to, to creatures and monsters, man. So, you know, this, this should have been a dream team of writers that you had here, including with Robert Zemeckis, who would have brought in the visuals and his directing uh, uh, skills. Uh, instead, they don't touch on the social stuff. Uh, Guillermo del Toro, you know, he just wrote monsters that are whatever. I'm sure he, I don't know what he wrote. You know, I, I can't. They probably changed some stuff because of the studio. But he didn't write any kind of monsters with depth or anything. They're just they're just scary looking and gross. Uh, so, Can you imagine if the Bob Zemeckis who made Who Framed Roger Rabbit was still that same guy? Like if he would have directed the 1990s version of this, obviously the visuals would have been different and whatnot. But like that would have been so exciting to see that inspired, that kind of young, energetic uh, Bob Zemeckis tackling this material instead of this yeah. guy, man. Because I feel for the last like ever since it really is Polar Express, right? Like I'm not saying he hasn't made a decent movie since then. I think he's made a couple. Um, what was the the World Trade Center walking movie? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, Man, the, the one that what where it uh, uh, what was it called? Tightrope or something like that? I don't know. Something, something like, like that. that. That was fine. You know what I'm saying? Like he he can still make stuff, but it's just like he at one point was that dude. He was one of the most revel uh, revelatory kind the of directors, walk. always taking chances, and that 
Jesus. It made me just really depressed while watching the the old one. I was like, oh man, like Zemeckis would have killed this if it was the Who Framed Roger Rabbit Zemeckis. Yeah, yeah. And the movie's called The Walk. And you think, oh, about The it. Walk. Okay. Yeah, man. I, look, it's this is I'm I'm frustrated with this movie more than I dislike it. It's it's got some moments of fun in there. And as I said, it's it's scary in some parts. It's genuinely scary, but not with not with much uh, depth to it at all. So, and and I gotta say, for all the special effects that they do here, not all the special effects are that great either. Uh, you know, you I'm looking at some of the things that they do in here. Some of it's fine. Some of it's fine. And then uh, and then you have this cat, which is obviously fake right here. Which I didn't mind because that cat is kind of an asshole. It is meant to be kind of cartoony, so I I was okay with that. So I'm not gonna even hold the special effects against it. But for some movie that really wants to like put special effects over some real story that's there, for them to not look top notch all the time, you gotta take note of that. But like I said, man, is there fun to be had? Yeah, cut it on. Kids will be. It's almost Halloween. Kids and some adults will be appropriately scared. And there will be moments that they laugh. There will be moments that they enjoy. But I can't myself say that it was anything above a rental for me. Uh, and, and you know, I, you know, when you walk away with something and saying you're saying like, well, I'm glad I didn't spend money on that, then that says something. And I'm glad I didn't enjoyed it. But glad I didn't have to go to any kind of work to get to it. And glad I didn't have to spend. Definitely glad I didn't have to spend any money on it. Right. I mean, which if that's the barometer of it, isn't it? Like, I would say it's a high, some old bullshit. I got to be honest. Uh, a lot of the writing just falls <laughs> apart. And that's like my biggest problem with it. Um, I will say this in its defense really quickly because you brought up the CGI, the CGI and practicality, whatever. Like, that's a personal preference. I always go practical more. I'm not trying to, you know, make a, I'm not yeah. jerking off the ghost of Jim Henson or anything like yeah. that. I just think that it was more effective. Uh, mm. The one thing I will say is, I, and I found this out while researching it, the 1990 film, Roll Dole was like, fuck this movie. Like, wanted to straight up disavow it. Uh, the, because the 1990 they one? the ending. Um, Zemeckis did not. He went back into the original ending where they all stay. Oh, well, well, I'm I'm yeah, 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 yeah. Right, I'm done. They kept the original ending. I think that that's admirable, and it shows like, oh, we tried to take this thing, change a couple things, and and, and stick the landing. It just didn't really work for me. You know, you know it's funny because I did not know the ending. So people, I have not seen, as I said earlier. Uh, as as much as I hear is great, and as much as I hear An Angelica Houston is amazing in this, I have not seen the original, The Witches. Uh, so I did not know the ending. And it's funny because I admired what they did with parts of the ending here, but the execution of certain things, the, there's a cutesy montage and whatnot, I thought that that was pretty bad. I actually thought this ending was horrible. You know, that made me mad because I'm like, that's the sequel I want to see. And it seemed like they said, like they left room open for it, right? We're just, we're going to go to America and do this shit. Yeah. I thought that was incredible, but they didn't, they didn't follow through with it. it made me kind of depressed. Missed opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. People. So have fun. Halloween is nigh. This is genuinely creepy. So, you know, cut it on and watch it with the kids and uh, you, you'll have a good time. Uh, just go in. I would say. Parents, if you're going in with memories of the original, going with low expectations and uh, be prepared for the kids to I, I was, you know, I say this much to its credit. Be prepared for these kids to be scared as fuck, man. Little kids, they are not going to want to sleep alone for the next few nights. So it is effective on that level. So it does work. Uh, right where it's right where it needs to be. So, you know, everything's fine, at least on my part. Uh, Christian said bullshit, though, right? 
the highest of high uh, some old bullshit that you can possibly do okay yeah. that's 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 definitely kind of positive <laughs> uh, high bullshit man you are the per- you know what you you just told them you know what you are the perfect piece of shit you're great. I mean, I'm not being like, I'm not talking outside of school. Here. <laughs> Four Oscar winners and you have all the budget in the world and this is the best that you can do. And it's not like it, it took chances and it failed. It was yeah. that it, it set up all these things and then fundamentally fa- like they, they've been making films for like 30 years. These guys, they know how to do this. Like I, it's just to, to give them a higher rating because yeah. there are things I enjoyed would be disingenuous I, to the film. I'm not, I, I'm not arguing with you, man. I, I, I'm not even trying to defend the movie. If you gave us some bullshit i'm i'm happy for that because they're you know as far as i'm concerned they earned it in certain levels you know i just like you know i just i just like the way you're just being very nice about it it's like it's like you're telling somebody hey you know what you're a piece of shit but you are the best piece of shit you're awesome if you say things with a smile doors open for you You yeah so like i don't want to burn any bridges and say that zemeckis is a complete hack and he's lost it so i'm not going to i'm going to say it was a misfire and uh, hopefully he's doing Pinocchio next. Did you hear that? I mean, yeah, he's doing Pinocchio and he's doing something called the King. So the guy's still working, you know, so I mean, can't get too tired of him because he ain't going nowhere. So, <laughs> but yeah, there you go. People. Yeah. Pete, somebody said, I'll just watch Borat. Yeah, do that. Do that. I don't even know what the hell. I watched that this morning, too, by the way. What'd you think of it? Uh, it's it's brilliant, but that dude's comedy just makes me feel so fucking horrible about myself <laughs> that it's like it's really it's really cringy. But yeah, I thought it I thought it was kind of a minor achievement. I was talking shit about it before it came out like a month ago. I'm like, this doesn't make sense. It's not going to reach the cultural yeah. moment, and I think it did. I think it smashed through the cultural. No, nah, it, it, it. I thought it was pretty excellent, man. Uh, I, I that boy, and I was just kind of like okay with it until the last third of the movie last probably like 20 minutes of the movie and then when they wrapped it up I was just like you know what this man is brilliant this man's a genius that third Uh, act really has to be seen to believe it's it's just it's insane it it makes me so proud that people are still out there taking chances yeah that I just want to thank Rudy, Rudy Giuliani for that moment, man. If I could, thank if you, I could, Rudy. <laughs> Your infallible leadership yeah. comes through once again. If I saw Rudy Giuliani, I'd, I'd shake his hand if he just hadn't touched his dick. He's... Darling! <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know it. But there was a dark shadow looming nearby. University of Maryland Global Campus was established to bring a respected state university education to working adults at home and abroad. 70 years ago, we sent professors overseas to educate service members and their families on military installations and on the front lines. Today, we're online because that's where working adults need us, that's where you need us. We'll support your commitment to being a successful student with services that fit your lifestyle, and we offer more than 90 programs and specializations for where you are and where you want to be. University of Maryland University College is now University of Maryland Global Campus. We go the distance because times have changed, but what we're made for hasn't. UMGC offers online support for veterans, including resources at the Veterans Resource Center, no-cost digital materials replacing most textbooks, virtual advising, transfer credits, and lifetime career services. Speak to our dedicated military and veterans advisors who can help you find the right degree for your career path. Visit umgc.edu. Certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV.